Hey guys, Matt here. Before we begin this episode of Tower Junkies, I just want to mention that we are currently running a contest where you can win a free Tower Junkies t-shirt. The contest runs from now until January 1st, 2018, and if you want to enter, all you have to do is leave a rating and a review of the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, take a screenshot of the review, and email it to matt at obsessiveviewer.com with the subject line Tower Junkies T-Shirt Contest. On January 1st, I'll randomly select a winner from the entries and we'll get a free T-Shirt mailed to them. We'll be accepting entries until December 31st at midnight, so make sure you get the email in before then. Thank you guys for listening and enjoy this week's episode of Tower Junkies. You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in palaver episodes and review the books and, t- and books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss King novels related to The Dark Tower, non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower-related adaptations. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and follow us on every level of social media at TowerJunkiesPod. For more of our podcast content under the ObsessiveViewer.com banner, check out ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. I am your host, Matt Hurt, and with me today is Tiny. Hi, Tiny. Good afternoon. Good day. I don't know. It's 11 o'clock at night. It is 11 o'clock at night. That's fine. Good after, good way, way afternoon. Good morrow, sir. Jesus. Anyway, um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, welcome. Yeah, welcome. And it was, how's <laughs> yeah, it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Good. Uh, so we're here today to talk about Christine, obviously. Yes. The movie, the 1983, uh, wow. Uh, wow, why am I blinking? John Carpenter. Yeah. Movie. You see. Yeah. Um, based on King's novel, of course. Um, yeah, so uh, before we do that, do you have any King check-ins or anything? Uh, I don't. I don't have any updates from from last time. Still, uh, still getting started on different seasons. Mm-hmm. Do you have any like tangential PSN things? Oh yeah, <laughs> um, I did purchase a PlayStation Four. Yeah. Um, and uh, I have not played very much. Mm-hmm. Um. My wife and I are hosting Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and so I've dedicated a lot of time to like <laughs> fixing up our house and cleaning and getting stuff ready for that. So I, I've I've had my PlayStation for like almost a month, mm-hmm. and is that right? Yeah, almost a month. Yeah, sounds right. I've got like seven hours logged on it, maybe, <laughs> maybe seven nice. hours. Yeah, so um, um, I just haven't had a chance to play it very much yet. Yeah. Well, welcome to the PS4 family. Thank you. I guess. Um, the reason that I bring that up is I was super jealous because I've had my PS, well, I've had my PlayStation Network ID for uh, like a long time, uh, like probably a decade at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, before I had read The Dark Tower and before I fell in love with The Dark Tower. So my stupid PSN ID is, uh, 
Oh, well, I'll just say it's uh, Top Banana 0769, which is not a sexual thing. It's not like it's a not. teenage sexual thing. It's a reference to my car, which is fitting for this episode, actually. It is. Um, and it's the paint the the paint style of my car and the production number of my car. But anyway, um, Tiny, though, you made me super jealous because you just created a new PSN ID because you had one. So do you want to tell the audience what it is? Uh, I don't remember exactly what it is because I, I haven't played. <laughs> I think it's it's Line of Veld 1999. That is, that's right, with yeah. no spaces or anything. Yeah. So I was super jealous of that. So, hey, if you have a PS4, you know, add us and stuff. Yeah, add me on that. Um, that's cool. Yeah. So anyway, that's... That's a very tangential, a very, very loose uh, king check-in. Yeah. Um, as for me, uh, there was something about The Outsider, uh, King's next book. I believe it is going to come out in June. Um, and I want to say it's already available to pre-order on Audible. Um, I'm checking right now. Okay, it is available for pre-order. The hardcover is, at least. I don't believe that it is available for pre-order on um on uh audible yet but it is available for pre-order on amazon for the hardcover um okay. it releases on june 5th 2018 um so that's that's exciting it's uh the plot description i'll just read it real quick is uh, an unspeakable crime, a confounding investigation at a time when the King brand has never been stronger. He has delivered one of his most unsettling and compulsively readable stories. And there's more about the plot, but I'm, I'll save that for, you know, next summer when we cover it. But cool. um, yeah, so I'm excited for that. Uh, it's just amazing that King is still cranking out I know. books at such a, such a quick rate. Um, definitely makes our job harder. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so today we're here to talk about, uh, Christine, the 1983 John Carpenter movie, movie, um, and Tiny, what, uh, let, let's start with talking about our connection to Christine, the movie, and also the book, because I, I reviewed the book, um, in a previous episode, um, have you read Christine, and, and how do you feel about it if you have? Oh, I've read Christine. Uh, it, I say that because it was the first Stephen King book I ever read. Well, second Stephen King book I ever read, but mm-hmm. it started me on my kick, kind nice. of. Nice. Um, yeah, it was in the summer of 1999 when I rode my, bo- my bike back and forth to the library quite a bit over mm-hmm. the summer and read like four or five Stephen King books uh, mm-hmm. that summer and really became a fan. Mm-hmm. So Christine was kind of the source of it. The first book I ever read, by the way, was The Shining, mm-hmm. uh, which was the year before. Um, Samesies. Yeah. But it was for school, so I think it kind of tainted right. the experience a little bit. Um, so I loved the book. I think I chose it. It's odd because the library has 10 Stephen King novels. I don't know what it... You know, it's odd that that's the first one I chose. I think it's because I just like mm-hmm. the cover. Yeah. It was, you know, the grill of the car, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I like cars. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I that's I, I read the book then. Um, yeah, and I don't remember the first time I saw the movie. I'm not sure. But I had seen it before. I watched it recently for the podcast. I hadn't seen it in a while, but I, I had seen it before. So Nice. Yeah. Um, I hadn't read it until recently and you can go back and listen to my review of it, um, in the feed to get, to get my, uh, my review of the actual book. Um, I had seen the movie before, um, at the time before rewatching it for this, I thought that I had only seen it in bits and pieces, like something like it was like 
frequently on like HBO or something when uh, like at a certain time. But rewatching it for this podcast, I realized I'd, I'd watched a good portion of it, like a good amount of it. Okay. Um, so I believe that I had seen it in its entirety before. I do have a very vivid memory of basically, um, seeing the movie and then like that night going with my mom for her to run an errand at her work and it being like in the middle of the night and then going to work actually at the the building where we were security guards at. Mm-hmm. She was a security guard at the time, and it's actually for the the company I work for now is in that same building. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's downtown Indy. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I vividly remember being like a kid, and like she ran into the building to get something, and I'm just in the in this like ominous parking garage, and in the middle of the night, no other cars or anything. I think it was a weekend, so the building was shut down. So everything is like very dark and everything. And I had just seen this movie about this car that came to life and killed people. And I was like yeah. kind of freaking out a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and, <laughs> uh, I wanted to work this in earlier, but, um, you know, tiny, there's, there's not much better, nothing, nothing better than a new, like, like checking out a King book or anything, except maybe pussy. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God. Such, uh, <laughs> You know, aside from The Man in Black Flood Across the Desert and The Gunslinger Followed, maybe King's most iconic line. Yes. I love that line. It's so... Yeah. yeah. And I love how in the movie it only comes up twice. Mm -hmm. Like, they could have beat it into the ground. Like King did in the book a little bit. Yeah. And I I forgot about that being in the book so much. Mm -hmm. But uh, I love the use of it in the movie because it only comes up twice. They're really far apart. It's like a callback when he uses it later on. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a great line. Yeah. (laughs) Except maybe for pussy. Uh, Yeah. so funny. Who said? No one said. People don't say that. Right. But they do, you know. There's always the one asshole who would right. say that, you know, and the one asshole who would say it on a podcast, right? So anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah so let's dive into the movie, uh, our review of it. Of course, we're going to have a non-spoiler and spoiler section, uh, so uh, we'll give you fair warning when we dive into spoilers. But Tiny, I, and as far as John Carpenter is concerned, obviously iconic director mm-hmm. responsible for Halloween is what he's most known for, for, for me, right. uh, Halloween and Halloween too. I had forgotten just how, like, uh, I'd forgotten just how iconic this movie was. Mm-hmm. And I was so on board with everything about it. Um, I had such a blast re- revisiting this movie and watching it again, even though the like kind of, like the stereotypical like greaser douchebag uh bullies like they were a little over the top and, yeah. and too like they were like buddy buddy Repperton in particular was just like he was just way over overdoing it but it still fit well with the movie and it didn't it didn't diminish my enjoyment of it at all it actually kind of enhanced it for me cuz he was such an over the top villain right um and i love keith gordon's performance as arnie yeah it's it's so it's it's really good like it's i mean it's kind of i don't want to say it's surface level but it's like i mean he's he's this like kind of you know nerdy guy who's who's you know not popular or anything and then his transformation is it's kind of night and day and it's it's really really pretty well done i i enjoyed it um what do you think of the movie 
I really like this movie. <laughs> I really like this movie. I forgot how much I did. Um, nice. I'm just a, I'm a John Carpenter fan. Mm-hmm. I love his visual style. I think, uh, you know, the thing, the thing is one of my favorite movies. That's right. It's like a, it's definitely a top 20. It might be a top 10 favorite movie of mine. Mm-hmm. I love the thing. Halloween is my favorite horror movie probably mm-hmm. and is, a phenomenal movie. And then this comes in third place, but it's a high three because this is just such a fun ass movie. And it's so, <laughs> it's got just the right amount of camp, mm-hmm. just the right amount of over the toppiness. It's got really fun ahead of its time visual effects, which mm-hmm. John Carpenter is known for. Absolutely. And it's, it's just a great, great story mm-hmm. and in a, in a good adaptation. And so I just, it's just got all these, it's just such the, the, the equation of the movie, the metric or the, whatever you want to call it, the matrix of the movie fits together so well. And it just, it's, you know, nothing is out of line. I just, I feel like it's such a great movie. I really enjoy it. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's got such like this feeling of nostalgia because, you know, when you're a teenager, you associate your freedom with a car and mm-hmm. having the ability to ride around with your friends and go places and be stupid. And it has that element in it, but then it kind of mixes it in with this danger and this fear and like this mania and psychopathy. It's it's so, it's so weird because it's like you're sitting there watching this guy go crazy and and become possessed by this car but at the same time it's like yeah but that car is really fucking cool so i can kind of understand it just a little bit i'm not saying i would go around killing people i'm just saying i kind of understand because that car is badass (laughs) yeah so i don't know it's just it's just such a cool movie i really like it i'm looking on imdb and Mm -hmm. uh it's got like a 6.7 rating. I just saw that. I mean, that's not bad. Right. But I was like, man, I, I gave, I'd give this an eight. Yeah. A, like oh, a yeah. solid eight. It's, oh, uh, I don't, we'd have, well, man, we'll have to do an episode where we just talk about just adaptations in general. Yeah. Totally. Teams work. Uh, I don't, cause I, I think that, uh, I don't know. I, it would rank pretty high as far as a Stephen King adaptation for me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there have been some iconic Stephen King adaptations. Oh yeah, totally. Um, looking at you, Dreamcatcher. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's such a thrilling movie and uh, such a blast. Like, uh, I don't I don't know where I was going to go with that. <laughs> um, the practical practical effects and the yes the effects of the, of the car fixing itself and everything were astounding. Yes. And there's one shot in particular that I, I was floored by. I, mm. cause I like, this is an iconic moment in, in the movie and in this genre, like this is an iconic scene I'm about to describe. And I had completely forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. The scene after the gas station where Christine is chasing after a character while engulfed in flames. Yes. Unbelievable. So cool. Incredible. Like yeah. absolutely incredible. Yes. And just oh, he he makes it look so easy. He does. He does. And it's 
I can't imagine the amount of work that went into creating the visual effects in this movie. And absolutely. It's, it worked flawlessly. Just an absolutely beautiful movie. It really did. And one thing, one thing that you kind of hit on that I uh, wanted to mention was one of my gripes about the book and the movie is that people kept referring to Christine, the uh, 57 Plymouth Fury, 57, yeah, 57 yeah. Fury as an ugly car. And I'm like, no, it, no way. it's freaking beautiful. It's got the fins on the bed, the yeah. huge, huge doors mm -hmm. and the lean forward seats. And it's got it's that coupe style. It's got that really cool stance. Yeah. I love Plymouth Furies. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They became gorgeous. ugly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Reference uh, Detective Judkins' car, which is like a 1978 Plymouth the fury sure it's uh, it's an ugly boxy looking cop car yeah, yeah. but that 57 is, yeah i think it looks just as good as like a 57 chevy like yeah. a like a bel oh, air yeah. oh absolutely i think it's a beautiful car like the, even the especially the plymouth insignia on the front mm -hmm. that v on the front yes that's just so like it looks like a freaking race car oh absolutely i love it's the beautiful. fury i think it's a great car and i think it says something to the quality of the movie and the book that like the one thing that that struck like like uh makes me uh struggle with my like suspending my disbelief in the movie and the book is that people call the car ugly. Yeah. <laughs> like in a movie and book about a car that comes to life and kills people, <laughs> the thing I can't buy is that they think the car is ugly. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, I agree. And it's yeah. Well, uh my you referenced your kind of favorite visual part mm -hmm. or or action scene if you will. My favorite is um where the the car the first time that the car repairs itself yes inside the garage and there's a super the really cool shot where Arnie is kind of like uh, backlit by the Plymouth's headlights mm -hmm. turning on by itself and then it it literally rebuilds itself and like the first time I saw this movie I may have been in high school I don't remember though but the, I, I remember the first time I saw this. I was watching it and I had to Google it because I thought I was watching like a digitally remastered version Oh, where they added in some CGI <laughs> like George Lucas does with Star right. Wars because it it looked so good yeah. that I thought it was CGI. Absolutely timeless. I was uh, I was so – and all – I mean – and it's funny because the technique that they used is incredibly simple. Mm -hmm. They basically just – attached hydraulic pistons to the inside of the car huh. and it caused suction and it just caused the car to kind of implode on itself mm -hmm. and then you just reverse the video <laughs> and it looks like it's repairing itself i was like that's so simple that's so simple and yeah uh but he he uh, john carpenter masters simplicity so mm -hmm. well like the opening scene of halloween yeah oh he's yeah just walking around with a camera that's yeah. all he's doing he created he created a, a dolly for it. like he created right. like that film technique essentially absolutely right so just he's incredible. just and it's, it's just such a simple idea mm -hmm. and it just looks so incredible oh absolutely um i just i love that scene so mm -hmm. much and it's kind of echoed later on when yes. uh, in the in the in, in the finale um mm -hmm. it's it's just so that's such a great idea and it looks so freaking cool and it's mm -hmm. it's kind of scary too yeah i mean it's oh yeah God, I really like this movie. So great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what did you think of John Stockwell's performance as Dennis? Cause I, I don't know. I don't know how, I, I don't know. Something about his, 
his performance, I don't, I wouldn't say that it bothered me. Like, I actually liked his, his performance, but yeah. it, it kind of felt like it was, it was a very teenager performance, yeah. which kudos to him, but it's yep. just like, I kind of was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. It, it kind of bothered me a little bit. Like he has, yeah. he has a shithead smirk on his yes! face for like three quarters of the movie. Yes. But you're right. That is kind of like a cocky teenager yeah. thing that he's just like, oh, well, yeah, I just kind of roll with the punches. Eh, side, right. side smirk. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, I, I totally agree. I think mm. it's like, I kind of like the performance, but I kind of want to punch him in the face. Too. Kind of, yeah. He's just kind of a he, he's douchey <laughs> and like, and the whole scene where he goes to like hit on um, Lee in the in library, the library <laughs> like yes. it's almost a, it's a kind of pointless. Like, what what ser- how does this service the story at all? Yeah. It's kind of dumb, but it's so it's so silly and mm-hmm. like over the top that I'm like, it's just kind of fun. And I just, I'm just kind of rolling with this. It's yeah. kind of, it's fun to watch, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it does, it does serve the story pretty well. Cause it establishes that he's interested in her before. Yeah. But right. it is like, like you said that, that sideways smirk, like shitty smirk that he does is, is exactly what, yeah. That pinpoints exactly what I had. Like he's a cocky bastard. Yeah. You like know? I wouldn't, say that it was i had a problem with it it was just like it was so persistent throughout the entire movie that it just felt like maybe he should have dropped that at some point when the when the story got a little little more serious right right um and i didn't notice that uh for the for the movie they changed it around so um a little bit but uh in the book it's uh roland lebay is the one that sells the car right and his brother comes later and and tells him the story mm-hmm. but for the sake of uh, expediting the story and, and for con- uh, adapting it to a movie, they just had George LeBay, the one that sells it. And then the backstory is kind of told in, in exposition dumps. But mm-hmm. um, one thing I didn't, I didn't realize when I watched it, obviously, or until I watched it, but uh, was that the guy that played George LeBay was the guy that played uh, the old neighbor in home alone, which I yeah, appreciated that. It I, is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's going to make rewatching Home Alone really, really funny. It is going to be like, um, there's nothing better than shoveling snow or ice, uh, salting sidewalks, except maybe pussy. Um, (laughs) oh God. Um, yeah. So that, that, uh, I thought he did a fine job. Yeah. Um, cause with a story like that, where you have to have this ominous thing, um, you, it kind of hinges on, his performance and his aloofness mm-hmm. with that. And then also on the other, on, on the other side of that, I appreciated the, uh, like the dead zone. I appreciated the pacing of the movie in that, like, we don't get the Christine attack, like mo like moment until about probably about halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the same with, same with the book as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I uh, I haven't talked to you about the book at all, have I? No, and I haven't yeah. read the book since I was 13. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, are you going to listen to my episode about Which is it? why yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> going to because that's nice. that's why I didn't necessarily want to be on that cuz I knew I wasn't going to have time mm-hmm. to reread it right. and I didn't want to talk about it after not having read it for 17 right. years. I go on a little bit of a rant oh, because yeah, because there's there's a whole chapter. Like there's literally an entire chapter in that book called Football Woes, where it's just Dennis recounting like his season of playing football. Hmm. The entire chapter 
weird. And then at the end of it, it's like, oh yeah, I had a dream about Christine. And it's just like, come on, come on, Steve. Wow. You, you didn't need to put all that in there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you'll hear about that when you listen to the episode. But, um, okay. yeah, uh, uh, Will Darnell, how'd you feel about that, that character, the owner of the, uh, garage? Um, I thought it was, uh, a great direction to take the story in, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it just, it's just an opportunity for so much conflict to arise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's, I love the actor, you know, Robert Prosky. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, what's his famous role that I'm oh, thinking I, of? Him? I looked it up, but I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but his performance as Darnell, he's like, he's, he's such an asshole. Like, yes. And he plays it like, the way the way that John Stockwell plays the smirking, cocky high school kid, mm-hmm. this the actor that plays Darnell plays the perfect like like the the asshole uh, analog to that. Like the the he's the, he's as much of an asshole as as John right. Stockwell is cocky teenager. Right. Uh, he, the role I'm thinking of him in is he's like the TV executive in Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking of him in. That's right. I don't know why. Anyways, yeah, I think I think it's I I love the idea that Arnie had to like keep his car at a garage and mm. it resulted in him working there and doing all this shady shit for this guy. Yeah. And it's it's less emphasized in the movie, you know, because in the book he's like he's like like uh, smuggling cigarettes for him and yeah. shit like that in the book and oh yeah it's it's less it's less played in the movie but it's kind of implied in the movie mm-hmm. um yeah and and let me stop you right there and okay. let's go let's just dive into spoilers yes um because we there's a lot to talk about in in a more free thing so uh we're gonna go into spoilers for christine if you haven't seen the movie or read the book and you don't want to be spoiled go check it out and then come back and listen uh we'll have uh timestamps in the show notes and uh we'll play music here to uh break up the spoiler and non-spoiler section so yeah All right, and spoilers on for Christine. Now, Tiny, you were saying that they punched up uh, Will Darnell's character into a more uh, asshole-ish character, a more pivotal character, and uh, it was a little more... It was vague in the movie exactly what Arnie was doing for him. Right, right, and I, I think that was fine. Um, that that was fine for the movie because I don't think he necessarily need, needed that aspect of the story. Um it's kind of implied that he's doing some some shady stuff for for Darnell, but um, I I, I love I love that they made his character so despicable because this is going to sound crazy, but it makes his death scene really fun. Yeah, <laughs> because like the, you know Christine takes off and it you know it, it kills the bullies and mm-hmm. it's like those scenes are awesome and I love yeah. them. I, I love the one where he he crushes the kind of chubby guy. Mm-hmm. That one's cool. That was that was brutal. That, that was awesome. Oh, it was yeah. like a rubber car trying to fit into there. That was yes. I loved that. Um and then you you know you praised the whole flaming car mm-hmm. setting the guy on fire. That's awesome. Incredible. Um but for those you're kind of like, "Oh my gosh, that's brutal. That's crazy. That's wild." But for when Darnell is killed, you're kind of like, you almost want to cheer because like, right. yeah, kill that asshole. He sucks. Yeah. And it's like, it's like one of those scenes in a horror movie where you kind of like, if you were in the movie theater back in 1983 when this came out, 
people probably clapped right during that part when he got killed and yeah. he just gets crushed to death it's like <laughs> it's not even like a sexy like a, right. a sexy you know no one's catching on fire no one's getting he's not being crushed by a car fitting you know it's not mm-hmm. as it's not exciting he's just the seat moves forward and crushes yeah. him to death it's, <laughs> but it's like that asshole deserves it oh it's, yeah it's just like a fun i just i enjoyed it for that reason yeah, and I like the way that it's done in the movie because in in the book, um, in the book, and I talked about this in my review of it, but in the book he sees Christine come back, and then like he's killed later in the later in the, in the story. And actually, I kind of I, I was kind of lukewarm on how how he was killed in the in the in the book because in the book Christine basically drives into his house, um, right, and like like tears him up that way right um which i'm sure the movie just didn't have the budget for that right um so in the book he sees christine and then there's a long stretch of time before he's actually killed and like it's there's a whole thing where he notices like he picks up what christine's putting down like he 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 is wise to it he's like oh this car is like magic and and can drive itself and everything and it's like he starts to wonder like how can i use this to my advantage and then later in the book like before like that isn't paid that isn't paid off remotely and then he's killed off it it reads like king had this idea partway through where he's like oh darnell's gonna gonna you know cause some trouble and and try to use Christine to for his own purposes, and then he's like, "Eh, let's screw it. Let's have him busted by the cops, and then have Christine murder him." Oh, yeah. And it's just it feels it felt a little disjointed there. So I like mm-hmm. the way that it was streamlined for the movie that he sees it, then he goes to check it out, and then gets killed. Um, and I love the way the interactions with Arnie and uh, uh, the detective played by uh, um, wow, oh man, Henry Dean, St- Harry Dean, Harry uh, Henry Dean, uh, wow. Harry, Harry Dean Stanton. Dean Stanton. Yeah. Uh, who recently passed away, right? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, I love those interactions. Um, is it Judkins? Is that his name? Uh, yes. Yeah. His. Junkins. Junkins. That's right. Yeah. Um, his interactions with, with Arnie were, were great. And again, I love Keith Gordon's performance in this movie. Um, it's just, it's so, it's the, transformation he goes through throughout the uh the movie is just is just astounding agreed yeah and his interactions with uh detective junkins is like he he it's such an interesting kind of moment because the two or three scenes that he has with him it shows uh like it's at a at a part where arnie has become this this kind of dick a teenager mm-hmm. and he's he's kind of uh pushing everyone away and so he's kind of putting up this front with the detective and then when he finds out that Darnell has been killed it's like he's he's that that front is crumbling a little bit he's like I swear I don't know what's going on yeah <laughs> I got to go to school and it's just it's such an interesting performance by by Keith Gordon that he's 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 really good at keeping up that persona and then letting it crack right a little bit in that scene. Yeah. I, I especially love how confrontational he is in their first meeting, uh, in mm-hmm. the movie. Like, I just love the part where like, he just, he kind of gets into his car and starts it up and the detective yes. is like leaning over looking at something and he just revs the engine and looks yeah. right in his eyes. Like, what the hell do you want? Yeah. I just, I was like, damn, who is this guy? Like, I, I can't even, uh, 
Like, how does he have the balls to do that? Yeah. Like, this guy's a cop, and mm. your car kills people. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I don't. it's such an odd situation, but it's mm-hmm. like, I would never react that way in that moment. Or right. Like, it's just so... It's it's so out of character from the Arnie that we see in the opening scene, mm-hmm. you know, and like you said, the transformation he goes through. Yeah, I I really like that part because it's just so it's so confrontational. Yeah, it reminded me of like it's the equivalent of him like having a leash around a very vicious dog, right? Right, yeah, then, exactly. That's yeah, good. yeah, and then like provoking him to to cause like intimidate him. Right. It's, it's just it's a great it's a great scene and a totally. great kind of a a way to show like how connected he is with the car to an extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So leak habit, um, again, and this is a similar thing that I said about the dead zone with, with the character of Sarah in the dead zone, but I felt like she was kind of there just, she didn't have much like the, even the, um, the romance between her and, it is, it, it's kind of only like flirted upon, but her and Dennis, yeah. it just like, it didn't have that connection that the book did. Like the book right. had this like whole thing where they, they had this kind of secret affair and they, they were kind of, their attraction grew because they were both fearing their, the person that they, they both love in very different ways, him like losing him. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that kind of felt a little, like I, I do, I really, really like the movie. Like I love this movie, but the way that the book, I, I kind of wish that they would have focused more on Arnie's transformation mm-hmm. because the book has such a great um, setup and and a, uh, such a great way of basically creating uh, this character of Arnie into kind of an allegory, whether it's purposeful or not, but an allegory for a, like an abuse, like a, like a, like a, like a drug abuser or substance abuser. And like the people in his life are trying to pull him back, but the, he can't cause he's just, he's a victim to this, to this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really get much of that because he just transforms himself into a, into just a dick. And right. not, it's not like you don't get that struggle. And that's one thing that I thought was missing just a little bit in the movie. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, into your point about Lee Cabot, mm-hmm. uh, played by Alexander Paul. Yeah. She, she was just kind of there. I mean, it's, it's a shame because I feel like Stephen King actually writes female characters pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he writes all characters really well, but you know, he doesn't, he's not known for writing weak female characters who are just, <laughs> who are just love interests. Right. You know, he's, he's a lot more than that. And his yeah. characters are a lot more than that. <laughs> Except for Salem's lot. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I yeah. was listening to, uh, our friends over at, uh, uh, Castle Rock TV podcast. They're reviewing it and like, yeah. they, they ripped it apart and it's like, they are so on point with that. Yes. But that's yeah. the exception, not the rule. Oh, absolutely. In, in, and that's an studio. early novel. Right. Too. Right. So, I mean, even, uh, especially, you know, um, uh, Gosh, the female lead in uh, um, The Shining, Mrs. Torrance. Oh yeah, you know she's one of the, she's kind of a heroine, really, yeah. of the of the story. So I mean, you know he he's not known for that, and so and unfortunately, a lot of his female characters in the movie adaptations end up being kind of token love interesty kind of characters. And yeah, she. I mean, she has like hardly any like meaty lines in this movie. It's all just like. Mm-hmm. I don't like that car and yes. Yeah. It's just like, 
I want to talk like, to you about that car. And it's just, it's, she's just very, very one note mm-hmm. and just alarmist and, and a little ditzy and dumb, I guess, to, to an extent. Um, yeah. It's yeah. Kind of unfortunate. Very flat. Like very, very flat. Yeah. Like there's not much that's given for her to work with. Yes. Um, even in like her big scene, like that, that she's almost, she almost chokes to death. It's like kind of a, plot necessitated sequence and not anything like it doesn't lead like it just leads to a rift in their relationship rather than a an actual like characterization for her as a character right right yeah yeah it's a it, it's unfortunate and then the other i mean uh arnie you know arnie's mother plays mm. a part in the movie and then uh kelly preston is that her name um oh was name? it kelly preston yeah. Kelly Preston, yeah. Wow. She has like three lines and she's really hot. That's, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it's just like, so it's, yeah, it is kind of a bummer in, in that regard, but. So. Yeah. In the, uh, in the whole, like in the book, uh, his parents, uh, relationship with him and their, uh, in, in Dennis's kind of the way that they confide in Dennis, throughout the throughout the book is it's a pretty pivotal part of the book and it leads to one a moment that is that is just kind of a shocking moment in in the book that like it was excised from the entire movie which is fair but it's also like because because they can't really obviously they can't put everything in the movie but i felt like that characterization was missing pretty like i felt that that i felt that that was missing yeah yeah i agree yeah. Um, what did you think of the kind of big finale with them cornering Christine and, and taking her out? I thought it was, I thought it was really satisfying, mm-hmm. really satisfying. Um, because again, I love the part where the car regenerates, even though it's off, it's off camera. Mm-hmm. I like the part how, you know, the lights come back on. The yeah. music is very well done in that mm-hmm. moment. Um, and just there, there's quite a bit of carnage, you know. I, I like that the, especially like the part at the very climax where the bulldozer is crushing the car and it's trying to regenerate itself yes. as it's being crushed. It's like it's so sentient and like it's mm-hmm. it feels so alive in that moment. Absolutely. And it's you know playing the music through the radio. I that and it just looks amazing. Again, it almost oh, yeah. looks like it's CGI. Like it's a very clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, practical effect that they they mm-hmm. were able to pull off, and just amazing. It looks so good. Yeah, that the sound design, like you said, the music also. Like John Carpenter did the music for the movie, and it's yeah, it's iconic. It's amazing, right? And I, I really appreciate the the shot of um that client. What's cool about the climax that I also really appreciate is that throughout it, you're not sure if Arnie is in the car. Mm-hmm. If he's in the car, is he driving? Um, right. Is he off to the side watching? You know, you really don't know. And then you get this really cool shot of his face, like being uh, illuminated by the dashboard. Yes. And he looks so creepy and mm-hmm. just completely possessed. Yeah. Um, Demonic. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. And then right after that scene, he crashes into the office and goes flying through the windshield and mm-hmm. is impaled on a piece of glass. And 
his last action of his life is stroking the Plymouth symbol. Yes. And I was like, God, that's fucked up. Yeah. But it's so cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just, I I think that climax was terrific. Me too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, um, it's a beautiful story of a of a boy and his first love. <laughs> it's a love story, yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, and then the denouement is really fun. Yeah. The the little compressed box of yeah, yeah the classic it, fake out yes. thing. I thought that was I that thought, was effective. Yeah, it was fun. I liked yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and then obviously like the last scene, it just slowly like a little. That's what hint I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, the grill just moving just that yeah. little bit. It's so so cool. great. I loved that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. Any other thoughts on on Christine the movie? Um, let's see. Uh, it's of note that it came out the same year as uh, the Dead Zone. Yeah, which we talked mm-hmm. about before. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure I have really much else to say about it. Um, yeah, same here. I just really dig it. Me too. I I really want to. Uh, I need to. I need to buy it on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad that we have this podcast as an excuse to revisit this stuff. Yeah. Um absolutely. just really, really fun movie, really incredible uh acting from uh from uh Keith Gordon. I like we didn't really talk that much like I, I lauded praise on it. Like how'd you feel about his performance? Oh, I absolutely like it too. I think I think um <clears throat> he's a little over the top, but again he's crazy. He's being possessed mm-hmm. and so He's supposed to be a little over the top, especially the, I really like the scene where he picks up Dennis and they go for a drive and like they're drinking beer and he's just like cranking it and going as fast as he can. Yes. I really like that scene. Mm -hmm. And I think he's, he's good in that scene, but he kind of, he kind of toes the line just a little bit of being a little, like a little too crazy and a little over the top. I think he kind of, he gets a little too wide eyed, I think maybe or something. I don't know, but I can't criticize it too much. I think, I think it was pretty well done and well handled. Um, I like his performance a lot, especially if you, if you were to look at the, that scene juxtaposed next to the opening scene where he's, you know, carrying the trash out before school and the trash bag breaks open and he's, you know, a quintessential nerd. That's such a Mm -hmm. big difference between those two moments that, you know, that's a challenging thing to achieve as an actor. And I think he did a great job. I, Oh, absolutely. I'm glad he, you know, his acting career kind of faded out, but he's done a ton of directing since then. So I'm glad that he found his, you know, he found a successful outlet for his creativity. So he's, he seems like a, uh, an enjoyable guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, and I think that'll do it for this episode of Tower Junkies. Yes, it will. Uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. And once again, uh, get those reviews in and uh, enter for a chance to win a very cool um, Tower Junkies t-shirt. Yep. Um, yeah, so next time on the podcast, I'm trying to mentally think of where we'll be in the release here, but we'll probably soon, we'll, we're going to be doing our commentary track for the Dark Tower, and, uh, we'll throw in some more, like, Dark Tower palaver episodes in the near, in the, in the coming weeks. Um, but until then, thank you guys so much for listening, and, uh, yeah, uh, anything else? That's it. All right. Long days and pleasant nights. May you have twice the number. Thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, a Dark Tower podcast presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. 
You can find more of our episodes at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can find ways to do that at TowerJunkiesPod.com slash donate, or become a patron for Obsessive Viewer at Patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can contact us by emailing us at matt at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at towerjunkiespod or at obsessiveviewer and at obsessivetiny. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod. For more podcast content from obsessiveviewer.com, check out Anthology, my solo side project podcast where I'm reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology television shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, and we'll see you next time.